Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome in. Hour 2 of the Lake Show, News Talk 830-WCCO. It's time to check in with, I guess you could say, show regular, friend of the show, when I need some uh, some help with the different uh, political stories and getting up to speed with everything that's happening in the uh, in that specific area of the world, Aaron Rupar from Public Notice joining us now, courtesy of the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. And I always love when Aaron comes on the show, but I, I I will say this: Aaron has listened to me throughout the years. Previously, when I was at K fan, but we didn't develop a, a, a friendship and a rapport until he believed in me. When Anthony Edwards actually became a good basketball player, like, like being the guy that he is now, that I think was that was that was the rubber stamp, was it not? You helped me see the light for sure. Uh, I was, you know, initially kind of a hater of Ant's game. Uh, I overreacted to a very small sample, and you were steadfast that uh, he was him. And you've been proven correct. So um, score one for you. But yeah, I mean that definitely. Not that I, not that I questioned your uh, basketball takes. I mean, obviously, like you said, I've listened to you for a long time. I know that you know hoops as well as anyone. But uh, you know that that kind of put me in my place, and uh, I defer to your takes now because uh, you were you were dead on on that one. Nah, Aaron, it ain't about putting you in your place. I just like that we bonded <laughs> over basketball, baby. Yeah, we just bonded over basketball. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Well, look, let, let, yeah. let, let, let's get away from basketball and let's uh, talk yeah. politics here. Uh, you do a phenomenal job with public notice. Everybody out there, I would sign up. Uh, if, if you're not already signed up for his newsletter, please make sure that you sign up for the public notice newsletter. But I wanted to start with this. You know, it seems like there's been so many headlines, and I think that there are certain narratives that, you know, us in the media that we kind of have about certain politicians here and there. And one of the things that we've seen over the year 2023 is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Joe Biden's age, right? And there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, you know, is he is there is there some cognitive and mental decline or, you know, mistakes that are being made? I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that people want to throw out there because they want to take shots at the current president. But with that being said, 
People have taken it to a new level where they're trying to attach maybe some of the smaller local elections and say, you know what, Joe Biden's not strong because we're going to see the lack of strength in Joe Biden as a brand, right? I'm talking about just as a brand nationally, and we'll see how it plays out locally. Well, a couple of nights ago when we had the elections and, and people were talking about the Democrats and how they were a little bit, I guess, surprisingly doing well on Tuesday night, what does that say about both the local elections in terms of how the Democrats did versus the brand and how we view Joe Biden nationally? Yeah, this has been two straight years now where Biden, of course, going into the midterms last year as well, had quite low approval numbers, like in the 30s, maybe low 40s, which historically you know, are some of the worst that in the modern era we've seen since they've been polling uh, for you know approval ratings for presidents. And yet, despite that, you know, last year, uh, usually in midterms, the party of the president gets a drubbing and loses control of Congress. But Democrats held on to the Senate and narrowly lost the House, uh, which was seen as a victory, given that historical context that I mentioned. And then this year you had an abortion referendum in Ohio that uh, turned out well for progressives. You had uh, other races around the country, a closely watched Kentucky race for governor where a Trump-endorsed candidate lost to the Democratic incumbent. And so, you know, really it was pretty close to a blue wave election. Um, Now, for local races, there isn't often a lot of polling done just because the resources that it takes to poll uh, on state, you know, state-level races, a lot of outlets don't have those sorts of resources. So, um, you know, Biden's approval rating ends up being kind of a proxy for the Democratic brand. But what we've seen now for two straight years is that the weakness that shows up in his daily Uh, the polling of his approval rating isn't showing up in these elections. And so it seems like, you know, maybe forces like the overturning of Roe last year and abortion rights being a really galvanizing force for Democrats getting them out there to vote, um, you know, is kind of uh, canceling out the drag of Biden's low approval numbers. And, you know, we'll see the polling head to head versus Trump. I mean, there's been a number of big polls, a New York Times poll over the weekend, a CNN poll yesterday that now show Trump slightly ahead and I think, you know, we're not really in a campaign environment right now. So I think a lot will change over the next year. But, you know, I certainly don't dismiss those polls. And I think it is very concerning and scary that Trump seems to be leading or is at least basically tied. But, you know, when you look at how these elections have turned out basically since Roe was overturned in June of 2022, it's pretty much been all good news for Democrats. And I think if you would have told people that back in June of 2022, we would have been surprised by that. All right. So let, let's get to something that you just touched on, abortion. Uh, where would you rank abortion in terms of the lead topics that we'll be discussing and talking about in 2024? I think it's going to be way up there um, because, you know, you see even in red states, uh, you know, deep red states like Alabama, abortion rights basically is a 50-50 type thing, even in red states. And then you get to more purple and blue states, um, you know, and the, the split is much more uh, on the side of abortion rights. I mean, we saw in Virginia on Tuesday where Governor Yunkin there, you know, was pushing a 15-week abortion ban, which is viewed as kind of being a moderate position because basically it's like 90 to 95 percent of abortions take place in the first 15 weeks. Yet even there, I mean, that went down to a huge defeat where Democrats ended up taking both chambers of their legislature, which is viewed as a huge defeat for Yunkin. And so, you know, I think whenever you're taking rights away from people, um, you know, that's going to get women out to the polls. That's going to get people who care about women out to the polls. And, um, You know, the situation hasn't really changed from June of 2022, where you still have Republicans pushing additional restrictions. It seems like any sort of ban is unpopular. And so 
I think it'd be political malpractice for Democrats not to make that a big issue next year, especially when you have a candidate like Trump on the top of the ticket, who, if you think back to his first campaign, was talking about how women had to be punished for having abortions. You know, of course, he put the justices on the Supreme Court that end up overturning Roe. And so I think it's going to be right up there. I mean, possibly the most salient issue in terms of getting voters out to the polls. I mean, of course, there's economic issues, foreign policy issues that uh, will get a lot of attention as well. But I think it's definitely proven for Democrats to be the issue that gets people out there voting. Talking to Aaron Rupar from Public Notice here on The Lake Show on News Talk 830-WCCO. Uh, one of the things that just I, I can't I can't understand it, Aaron, but it just seems like um, so many people in the Republican Party just continue to the missteps are just never ending. Um, a few nights ago when we had the um, the coverage on Newsmax, you had Rick Santorum. Uh, that that was had some commentary and basically was talking about, you know, basically the democracy. He was kind of taking a shot like, you know, you know, there's certain things that we shouldn't be be, uh, you know, putting out there in terms of, you know, in in, in democracy, because uh, uh, an entire full democracy or availability of of a full democracy is not a good thing for us, uh, you know, across the country. And And it seemed to be like kind of a viral moment. Right. It just seems like so many things that that are being said in the silos in the media end up coming back to bite them. And to me, when I look at the Republican Party and we know that abortion is a big time topic, I don't understand why they feel like that's a winnable topic when it's not winnable at all. Well, the irony of that, you know, you mentioned the Santorum moment. And, you know, I think I was the first one who posted that clip when I was surprised at how much pickup it got. I mean, last I saw it had like four million views on Twitter. But, you know, the, the irony of that is that the whole conservative argument with abortion and one of the arguments that was made in the Supreme Court decision by the conservative justices when they're overturning Roe is that abortion should be a state level decision. You should send it back to the states. Well, now, you know, when it's being sent back to the states like it was in Ohio, where they had this uh, referendum that was aimed at enshrining abortion rights into the state constitution, which was successful um, every single time since Roe was overturned, the pro-abortion rights side of things ends up winning. And so now you have Santorum lamenting, saying, oh, this is too much direct democracy. This isn't any way to conduct our politics. And it's like, well, just a year and a half ago, this is exactly what you guys wanted. But I think they just kind of underestimated, you know, how galvanizing of a force, how unpopular abortion restrictions are. And so, you know, you kind of see them moving the goalposts now, but that's in response to the overwhelming rejection of abortion restrictions that we've seen across the country. And I think they're just taking a shot at the young voters, the young demographic member, because he started the comment. We're talking about the young voters and talking about marijuana and abortion. Like, I just think that that's a bad thing to put out there and to have circulating as a soundbite. But let's look at last night. What was your analysis or best way to describe what you saw in terms of the latest GOP debate? You know, I kind of thought it was a, de- a debate kind of about nothing, like a Seinfeld debate, so to speak, um, <laughs> where, you know, Trump is going to win the primary, barring some hugely unforeseen event, which, um, you know, uh, could, couldn't possibly be predicted at this point. So you basically have the other candidates competing for second place and the participation trophy, basically. My biggest takeaway, and this is probably, you know, kind of inside baseball, is that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, is one of the most insufferable people I've ever seen in politics. And uh, you could tell, I mean, Nikki Haley literally called him scum during the debate. Yes, she did. Um, you know, which I thought was, um, you know, she was upset because he brought up in the context of a question about banning TikTok, brought up the fact that Nikki Haley's nine-year-old daughter is on TikTok, which, 
you know, she viewed, I think, rightly as kind of out of bounds, bringing up someone's kids, you know, for a political attack. And so that caused her to kind of snap at him. And so, you know, it was kind of moments like that. Um, you know, I did a newsletter piece on that that was mainly about Vivek and kind of what he represents in the GOP these days. But kind of my main thrust of the piece was that I'll be happy when I no longer have to think about him anymore, which hopefully will be very soon. And I think it will be because the final debate, which comes up next month, uh, the standards for qualifying are even higher than they were for this debate. So it seems like the only two that might qualify for that are DeSantis and Nikki Haley. But even if you combined their supports, you know, I think they're both around like 15, 17 percent. You know, they're still basically you could combine their support and multiply it by two and they would still be behind Trump. And so, you know, I think that um, it's more likely um, and it's still very unlikely that this happens. But I think it's more likely that Trump's legal problems get to a point where he's in so much trouble next year when he's on trial, you know, possibly he's convicted of felonies. I think it's more likely that there is another candidate inserted at the Republican National Convention for Trump, kind of a brokered convention, which is still very unlikely than it is that Trump actually loses in the primary because, you know, his polling is just so overwhelming that once you're above 50 percent, he's at like 60, you know, upper 50s to 60 percent. You could combine the support for all the other candidates and it wouldn't even be close. I'll say this. I'm not on TikTok, but I just think that, you know, candidates that are talking about we're going to ban TikTok. Like that's that's not an issue you're going to win on with young voters either. Like I just no. it, it just I don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But let's get to something and I've been very vocal about this and I'm not sitting here saying um that polls don't matter at all. Okay? I think that polls are flawed though. That there's no question about it and I think that one of the things that me and you both can agree on is the methodology in which they go about polling is this, it seems like it's antiquated and it doesn't factor in the younger demographic, the younger voters, your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's hard to talk about them with a hugely broad brush because obviously methodologies vary, but anytime you're calling people on landline phones, I mean, who has a landline at this point? And then even beyond that, you know, some of these pollsters are calling people on cell phones, but who's answering calls from numbers that they don't recognize. I mean, that's for me is an instant, you know, send it to voicemail kind of situation. I'm just never going to answer the phone in that context. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think that polls can be entirely dismissed. And that was kind of, you know, what I was trying to allude to in, in the first question about what we can take from Democrats doing so well uh, these mm -hmm. past couple of years is that the polling for some of these Senate races for these referendums has been pretty accurate and uh, quite predictive but it seems like for whatever reason, there's kind of a disconnect between Biden's approval and uh, what happens down ballot. But, you know, you think back on, on 2020, um, I don't think the polling was hugely off in that case in terms of the presidential race where it was pretty much a dead heat. And then Biden ended up winning you know, pretty narrowly. So I don't think they can be dismissed. But, you know, I think that your best bet if you're trying to draw conclusions from polls is looking at poll aggregations. You know, otherwise, in other words, like a a uh, regular regularizing multiple polls into one um, kind of average instead of looking at one poll individually, because there's a lot of outliers out there. And there are some that have really flawed methodologies like you alluded to. And when you're oversampling older people, uh, for instance, who have landline phones, that's going to give you a skewed result. And, um, you know, I think we've certainly seen that both 2016 kind of leaning more for Democrats and then 2020, some pollsters overcorrected, you know, oversampled uh, working class voters, for instance. And so, you know, it's uh, definitely, I think, um, not as much of a science as people would think. There's a lot of art involved into it. And so I think you have to take them, especially a year out from the presidential election with a grain of salt. All right. Two final questions for Aaron Rupar from Public Notice here on the Lake Show News Talk, 830 WCCO. Uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds um, has thrown her support behind uh, Ron DeSantis 
was this does this help him at all? Because it seems like you know he's so far down in terms of people viewing him as a legitimate uh, you know contender right now versus uh, Donald Trump when everybody thought that he was going to maybe be the next guy. How much does this help him? I was pretty surprised by that. I mean, Trump has been pretty overt in his disdain for Reynolds, or at least, you know, he said things like, you know, she basically owes her election to me and, you know, insinuated that she wasn't grateful enough for that because she's been kind of teasing this DeSantis endorsement going back many months now. Um, But it just seems like, you know, for Reynolds, if you're kind of reading the tea leaves and you want to be in good standing with the party to kind of hitch your wig and to DeSantis when he's kind of broken down on the side of the road, so to speak, um, at this point seems kind of strange. Um, Now, I will say that DeSantis, his strategy at this point is pretty much entirely hinging on Iowa. You know, he's not really even campaigning that much in New Hampshire, which is another one of the states that is at the front of the primary process. And so he's gambling that he can win in Iowa and kind of parlay that into momentum that will help him elsewhere around the country. And, you know, we have seen some weird results in Iowa. I mean, for instance, in 2016, Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucuses, but that obviously didn't help him uh, long term because Trump ended up winning the primary. But um, I do think it'll give DeSantis a little bit of a bump. And his polling in Iowa has been the strongest of anywhere in the country, where I think he's around like 20 percent. Trump is up around 50 percent. So, I, you know, I guess I do think it'll help him, but I don't think it's going to be worth 30 points. And, you know, certainly if you were uh, wagering, you know, Trump is still going to be the absolute overwhelming favorite in, in Iowa and everywhere else around the country as well. I don't think there's any state where he's up by less than like 20, 25 points at this point. All right, uh, I was going to ask you a question about takeaways from the uh, the Trump organization being on trial. Let, let's just let's just hold that over till till next time, and, and we'll we'll get to that then. But I do want to ask you one final question because I just don't understand this, and this is not even really this is just your opinion because um, we can't really get into you know th- I don't think it's an answerable question, but I just don't understand why people care about the Tim Scott and if he's married or who he's dating and <laughs> what what is, I just want to know what is your opinion on that because I've seen you know people talking about this and it's been kind of like trending a little bit like i I don't care if he's dating this woman for roughly a year or who if he's single he's single yeah. if he's dating is that like isn't it a weird thing to you? It is kind of weird. I mean, there was some comedic value in that because Scott has been out there. You know, he's a lifelong bachelor, first of all, and he's like in his mid fifties. Um, but then second of all, you know, I don't think he's really had like a public girlfriend um, before this. And so he was out there in recent months kind of talking about his girlfriend and my girlfriend, this, my girlfriend, that, but nobody had ever seen her before. And so it kind of became almost this like uh, punchline where it's like, you know, his man, it was like a man, moment. Yeah, it was like, you know, you wouldn't know her. She's hanging out with her friends somewhere else tonight kind of deal. So I was kind of, you know, I was surprised when I saw that, like, oh, there she is. She's actually a real person. Not that I think someone who is that public of a figure, you know, a senator, uh, would risk it all to lie about something like that. Because, if you know, if it turned out that it was a, a Teo situation where it was like a total fabrication, that could be some, you know, that could be politically problematic for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of scrounging for any sort of intrigue we can get with this primary <laughs> at this point because it's been such a dull primary. And, you know, Henry, I bet you probably remember, too, like the 2015, uh, you know, when, when that campaign was happening on the Republican side, those early debates were like must-watch TV events. I mean, you probably remember the Fox News one where Trump and Megyn Kelly got into a huge argument. Yep. And, like, I remember going to a bar in Minneapolis and uh, they had it on a projector screen. It was like a big TV event. And, you know, you compare that to these debates where basically nobody is watching. 
Um, I think we're just thirsty for any sort of intrigue and any sort of interesting content we can get. Yeah. Give him a follow on Twitter, but more importantly, uh, sign up for his public notice newsletter. It's Aaron Rupar from Public Notice. Hey, Aaron, always a pleasure, my man. And uh, let's get together soon, maybe at a Wolves game or just uh, just yeah. to kind of catch up in person. But uh, I look forward to it, my friend. I love that. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. That's Aaron Rupar joining us here on The Lake Show. Hey, 651 461 9226. Is there anybody that has an opinion about the Tim Scott stuff? And, and it, it doesn't, it's not a big deal, but, but I'm curious. Like, when I look at that situation, I don't care about the girlfriend. I don't care that he's never been married. Like, what is the angle there? Is there something that I'm missing? We get to that next year on The Late Show. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, really quick segment. Because we got to get to Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, talk some Vikings football here. But on the text line, please weigh in. Because I am, I'm super in, interested in in hearing your thoughts and your opinions about the whole, the Tim Scott thing. About whether he's single or married or in a relationship. Or, like, does that factor in, in terms of your, your, how you vote or how you view them as a candidate? And to be clear, I get it. It's, it's when you look at presidents, the only president, okay, documented that was single or unmarried was, I think it was James Buchanan. And, and that was, what was it? He was the 15th president mm. of the United States. He remains the only president to be elected from Pennsylvania and to remain a lifelong bachelor. That's it. So it's, I'm not saying that it's traditional, but like, does that really matter to you? No. To each But but I'll speak for myself first. It doesn't it doesn't factor to me. Like, what does that have to do with your policies? What does that have to do with Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I'm just I am agreeing with you that no matter what your policies are, how you feel about things, whether or not you're married, you're gay, you're straight, trans whatever like none of that matters. Your policies are completely separate from everything in your personal life. 
Yeah, it just it's just kind of a weird thing. Did you see now now it's some people are saying there's a fake relationship, but people say that about the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift. And I, I you know what? I don't know if it's a real thing or not. But did you see kind of the awkward like hand thing that they did yeah. a, a, a couple nights ago? It looked awkward. Am I trusting and believing that that's his girlfriend? I, I don't really care. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Does Matt Gates really have a son named Nestor? Who knows? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I love it. You know what I love more? I love Minnesota Viking football. Let's talk Minnesota Viking football. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. He joins us next on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show. It's time to talk football. With Mr. Football on the station, Purple Insider himself, Matthew Collar. He joins us courtesy of the John Schuster Call Banker Hotline. How you doing, Matthew? Oh, uh, I'm doing great. You know what? It's been a little bit of a busy week, uh, but uh, what an injection of energy we got into this team after last week couldn't have been lower, and uh, here we are, Dobbs Mania time. How about that? Dobbs Mania time. And and, and, and I want to start – well, have you seen this uh, – have you seen anything about the whole Shake Shack where, where, where we could all get a hookup if, if Joshua Dobbs, I can't remember if he, if he scores a touchdown or I can't remember what the exact situation or setup has to be, but I guess he's got some sort of uh, promotion or something with Shake Shack. But think about that. In one week, we got Josh Dobbs, the savior, and he's doing everything from winning football games with the Minnesota Vikings to hooking people up with Shake Shack. Uh, does he have to do some sort of uh, dance or something? If he scores, yeah, a it was a dance. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you uh, for that. Well. Hey, let me let me ask you this. All right. So, and this is this has nothing to do with Joshua Dobbs. Um, this has nothing to do with any players. This has nothing to do with anything on the field. I want your opinion on the food that we get up in the press box at US Bank Stadium because I have I have the, the reason why I mention this is because I think that there's something that we should do. What, what do you make of the food, though? No, I, th- I think they do a great job. Uh, I've been to many stadiums, and there are some that have a little more robust options. But, you know, normally you got your omelet bar going on there. You mm-hmm. got uh, some sort of pregame meal, lots of snacks options. I mean, that's always big for me, cookies, candy, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, look, I mean, it's hard work up there watching a football game. <laughs> really, you know, it, you, you need a lot of fuel and, and energy for that. So, uh, I've always been a fan. I would I would rank it highly among all the stadiums that I've been to. Yeah, so I'll say this. I, I, I'm in total agreement with you, um, and I do love the t- – to me, the the, the, the omelet uh, bar and the everybody is always raves about the bacon, right? Everybody loves the bacon at U.S. Bank Stadium. So I, I love the, the breakfast stuff that they do there. But I think that we should put a twist on it. I, I would love if they did this. Whoever the the opposing team is that's coming to play at US Bank Stadium, how about we have their cuisine at halftime? Mm. In, instead of instead of the like the they do like chicken fingers or whatever they do at half how about if it's like this weekend, the New Orleans Saints? How about it's Cajun cuisine at halftime? Or or like with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's barbecue ribs at halftime. Your thoughts. Uh, you know what? I like this a lot. Uh, it reminds me kind of of my take about um, the music at the stadium. So, you know, like what you're talking about, if you go to Atlanta or Los Angeles, like they'll play a lot of the, the music that's based in those cities. But you go to Chicago and they kick off to like Metallica or something like, is this the only 
Like, this is what you're coming up with when you're Chicago and you're, like, one of the great music cities ever. Like, we should, uh, you know, play some Minnesota music as opposed to ACDC for the 10 gazillionth time, right? <laughs> right? So, like, I, I feel the same way. I know that that might be a lot to ask, though, because you do have, you know, there's only limited options that you can make in mass, like, that much uh, a food for that. Nah, man, go all out, man. Box, it's effort. So. It's effort, baby. It's I make like it. make the effort plays for Matthew Collar. Make the effort hey. plays for Henry Lake. Make the effort plays for all of us in the media. That that would have been great for Kansas City. We could have got some barbecue at that oh. point. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm totally. I like it. I think it's a really clever idea. But who's are you paying for it? No, 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 no. I'm not paying for it. I mean, I, okay. I think that I think that's a Ziggy situation. I think the Ziggy needs to pay for it. So I'm not I'm not well, concerned about uh, that. Look. That Justin Jefferson contract extension is still going to happen, okay? So, you know, <laughs> got to cut some corners. Well, let me, let, let's me let start with Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's not going to play until the hammies 100%. Um, do you think that part of that is because of the contract situation that he's involved in right now? I do, uh, but I also would have advised him anyway to not come back until he's 100% because I've seen what happens with those things. Me too, yeah. And, you know, you, you see it with baseball players. They're running down, you know, they reach out for first base, they pull that hammy, and then, you know, they try to come back. And the next time they're sprinting it out, then they pull it again. And, and you know, it, ha- it happened in uh, 2019 to Adam Thielen. He had an incredible catch against Detroit in the back of the end zone where he hurt his hamstring. And then he tried to come back a few weeks later against the Chiefs and on like the first play of the game, he reached down for a ball and pulled it again, and then he was out for a few more weeks after that. I mean, it's a very sensitive injury, but it's also a very difficult injury to know when you are 100%. So they're trying to do everything they possibly can to figure out when exactly that is because there's just nothing that can replicate real NFL play. The intensity of how hard you are digging into that turf and exploding is just never going to be replicated uh, with all the adrenaline going when you're trying to do it on the practice field. So you have to be overly cautious. And I think that it's not just the long term for Justin Jefferson as in sign the contract, be you know a great player for a long time and everything else. It's even the long term of this season. I mean, because if you have a chance at making the playoffs, which suddenly they look a lot more like they do, uh, do you want to rush him back one week early, get him re-hurt, and then not have him for the rest of the year? Or would you rather wait a week or two continue to try to survive with Jordan Addison the way that they have and then have him down that stretch run because, you know, this part of the schedule is pretty, you know, pretty soft, but you get to the end of it yeah. and then you got to, you got to go up against Cincinnati and face Detroit twice. I mean that at that point, you're really going to want him if you're in the heat of the playoff race. Yeah. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider joining us here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Don't want to go any further without asking your opinion, your thoughts just on, on Joshua Dobbs. I mean, that that was just that was awesome to see. It, it was it was one of the it was one of the performances to me that stands out in recent memory with uh, the Vikings, just because of the situation, right? Like the guy just gets traded for. He's not the starter. He comes in. He saves a day. Just your thoughts on what transpired last Sunday? No, I totally agree. And and I felt like just you know talking to fans this week, including an actual rocket scientist that I talked to. Which if you go to my Twitter page, uh, I posted the article up there um, that a lot of people were reinvigorated by that game. I mean, even though, you know, a big win at green Bay was exciting to get them back to 500. There was still a kind of um, malaise. I think after starting 0 three of, 
hey, we've kind of seen this movie many times before, and, you know, like uh, it might be a team that comes back and makes the playoffs, and okay, you know, but are they really good enough and so forth? And now there's this intrigue that has not been there in years before with Kirk Cousins where we kind of knew the ceiling. And even with last year, even though they won 13 games, going into the Giants game, I felt like a lot of fans just still were not buying uh, this team as a legitimate contender. And that doesn't mean Dobbs makes them a legitimate contender, but it adds this new layer of like, what does it look like without Kirk Cousins? Think about where you were in your life when they signed Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's been a long time since he's been the quarterback and it's been a lot of like, Hey, we kind of know what uh, the end is going to be like, but now suddenly we don't know what the end is going to be like. Not, and not only that, but Josh Dobbs has to be one of the most likable people that you're ever going to find. I mean, a, a guy who's just continued to battle for his career, who, you know, is being supported by NASA because he, <laughs> you know, did, you know, internships there and uh, you know, the whole rocket science background, it can't be understated how difficult that is and how nearly impossible it is to complete an aerospace engineering curriculum at Tennessee well-playing quarterback. Um, and then the way, you know, he's, he's hung around in the league. This guy, he could easily quit football and go be a rocket scientist with no problem. The dude had a 4.0. And yet he is in, continued to improve himself as a quarterback to where last week I'm watching him throw the ball thinking, like, this guy doesn't really look to me like a quarterback or like a backup with some of these throws. He looks like a starter to me, which I think speaks to his dedication to the game. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a great story. It was something that will be memorable for a really long time. And then, of course, the next question we always got to ask is, will it continue? Yeah. Uh, and that then they face a very, I think, difficult defense this week in New Orleans that they're going to try to continue it again. Yeah, no, I, you got to back it up. Like, and he even said as much. He said that to you guys. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter unless we go out there and we we you know put some wins, uh, consecutive wins together. So the bottom line is, I you're right. He, he gets it. I I really uh, enjoy uh, listening to uh, to Joshua Dobbs speak. Look, the bottom line to me when you look at this past game outside of the victory was the fact that it was such a gutty effort by the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, KJ Osborne, that was scary to see with that concussion, uh, you lose Cam Akers for the rest of the season. I thought that just the gutting it out from T.J. Hawkinson, you could tell that he was hurt. It was I, – I just thought it was just a great a great come-from-behind victory for them at the end, and I just loved everything about that game. Yeah, and I think what you saw too is one well-coached team and one not well-coached team because you saw Atlanta panicking uh, as, as Josh Dobbs started to make things happen and get it together. Uh, you saw them fail in so many key situations in that game. And that's not to say the Vikings didn't earn it. I think it just made it stand out to me more what Kevin O'Connell was dealing with on his sideline. And yet everyone's playing together and everyone came through in that game. I mean, it literally took everyone because, uh, you know, Josh Oliver has to track a guy down and make a tackle at the one yard line. So they don't return a fumble for a touchdown and then they get a stop that leads to a field goal that's a huge play in that game. And, you know, Kyrus Tonga is running down a, a tight end from behind to tackle him at the one-yard line on a goal-line stand. It was just every person had to contribute. And I think that what we're seeing is one of the purely best coaching staffs, not just Kevin O'Connell, but also Brian Flores, his assistant coaches, because they are getting more than the sum of their parts, especially on defense. But I think, you know, last week with K.J. Osborne out, you got – 
you know, Brandon Powell was a guy who barely had any receptions in his career and is now out there running real routes and getting open and making plays. I mean, it, it's really – and David Questenberry is a guy that played left tackle that they had to pick up, you know, at the end of uh, training camp. And, and, you know, so we're seeing so many guys that you wouldn't expect step up, which I, I think really speaks to the coaching in recent weeks and how this team easily – could have fallen apart at 0-3, could have given up at 0-3. We've seen that happen before where a team gets a little bit of fight in it from here to there, but for the most part just kind of falls apart. And instead, they came together and have put themselves now in a place where they could potentially make the playoffs. I, I don't think you could say it loud enough what a great job both Kevin O'Connell and Brian O'Flores has done. Uh, uh, Bri- yeah, Brian O'Flores. Brian Flores have, has done. Yeah, he's done a really good job. D- do you think, though, that this team – can realistically stay prominent in terms of the postseason conversation and stay there in terms of being a team that could possibly reach the playoffs if the running game does not get better? Yeah, the running game is just baffling to me. We were talking about it a little bit today, and I just I don't get it. Like I don't get how it can be as miserable as it is because there's so many times where it just looks like they don't understand the blocking assignments or Alexander Madison doesn't understand where he's supposed to run or how he's supposed to run. I think that running the scheme that they do a lot with him requires good communication between the offensive linemen. And it also requires patience from the running back. And I'm, I don't think Madison is a patient running back. I think you, he just gets the ball and just goes forward. And for what, you know, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were doing years ago, that works, that outside zone stuff. You just get the ball and then you break up field and that's what you do. But I think for this, it requires like seeing those, those tiny holes and then, you know, kind of like Le'Veon Bell used to do, just, you know, pushing down the accelerator. I just don't think that that's really who he is as a running back. And I don't know how you change it at this point, but they don't really have an identity there. And there's way too many negative plays. And if you're just going to ask Josh Dobbs to be your whole running game and your whole passing game, that's a lot. I mean, I was as impressed as anybody for what he did. I I think that he could be a better version um, of himself than he was with a bad team like Arizona. But, I mean, that's – come on. I mean, this is a career backup. We're going to ask to, what, throw the ball 35 times? It's not Kirk Cousins, who's, you know, one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. So – it has to improve, but I don't know the answer because Cam Akers is out. You know, Ty Chandler doesn't seem to have the trust of the coaching staff. And, you know, now what? It's kind of like, how are they going to figure this out? I think, I think that's a huge challenge for Kevin O'Connell. All right, final question for you, and it's a two-part question. What concerns you about the New Orleans Saints, and what do you think of the matchup this weekend? How do you think things shake out? Uh, what concerns me about the New Orleans Saints is that their defense is legit. Um, Dennis Allen is a really, really good um, defensive head coach. Uh, I don't know if he's a good overall head coach, but I certainly know that this man knows defense. They have a lot of talent there. I mean, that's that's part of it. Their roster is extremely good. I just pulled up PFF's defensive team grades, and the only teams that are graded higher by PFF are the Jets, 49ers, and Ravens as uh, overall defenses. So that speaks to their talent. Um, if Christian Derrissaw is in 100%, that could be a problem. They have a really good pass rush. They've got one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and you're, again, going into this game very, very likely without Justin Jefferson and maybe without Osborne, although he was participating today in, uh, in a limited fashion. But 
I, I mean, I think that it's a much bigger challenge defensively than what Atlanta was. And the other thing, too, is that they get a whole week to prepare for Josh Dobbs as opposed to the Falcons, who didn't know what to prepare for last week, and then all of a sudden this guy's in the game running around. Uh, there's also you know, the emotional letdown factor as well. I mean, we saw this last year after the win in Buffalo. It kind of reminded me of that where you know everybody uh, had to exhaust so much of their energy to get that win that by the time they showed up to play Dallas, there was really nothing there. Um, so trying to stave that off um, can be difficult. I mean, there's been a lot of attention on this team throughout the week, and sometimes that does result in a team falling off. Um, so there, there's, there's a lot that they're going to have to worry about. The other thing is, too, the quarterbacks that they've faced during this win streak, and Brock Purdy is pretty good, but aside from him, Jordan Love's not good. What we saw last week, Taylor Heineke, terrible. I mean, Derek Carr is not great, but he's a quarterback. Like, he's a legit yeah. NFL 12th, 14th best starting quarterback in the league who will dink and dunk you down the field and not just throw it to the other team. So I, I think it's a, a much better team than Atlanta was, um, but, you know, they get to play them at home. So if they, if they win this and keep it going, uh, I will be extremely impressed. So you think that they win? No, I don't. I, okay. I, think okay. that, I, th- I think that they're going to probably come up a bit short. Um, if they do, though, I, I just think that the mountain is, is a little bit steeper yep. than we might give it credit for, considering everything that they had to go through last week. Got you. Hey, Matthew, always a pleasure, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, take care. That's Matthew Collar here on The Good Neighbor. We'll wrap it up here in a second. All right, thanks again to Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Talking Minnesota Viking football. I wasn't going to let him duck and dodge the, the, the end there. I want to know what does he think about who wins and who loses. And he stated that he believes that the other Minnesota Vikings are going to take it on the chin this weekend. But we did agree that the, uh, the omelet bar and all that stuff, because we're foodies, it's pretty good. But I still, I still think we should go for the hole at halftime. Let's let's uh, switch it up, man. Let's try to mix it up. Let's let's get some some new uh, some new foods in the mix, man. Let's you know whenever you have an opponent coming into town, let's get their cuisine as part of the uh, the press box situation. All right, coming up next, we know that mental health is a serious issue with anyone, especially athletes. But is one high profile college football coach a hundred percent in the wrong? We get to that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 